this morning I wanted to uh, share with you just, and I thought about doing this, but uh, really didn't, probably wouldn't have had the time to do it, but how many of you over the years, I know whenever our children were, were little, uh, you go and you, you buy something for them for Christmas, and it's one of those things, whether it's like a bicycle, I remember one year, I don't think it was for Christmas, we bought our children a, uh, a, a swing set, and uh, just comes with all kinds of parts. And, and I remember after buying things like that, thinking, what have I got myself into? And that's why so many, so many parents now, if they charge to have it assembled at the store, they'll pay to have it assembled. But a lot of times, if it's something as big as a swing set, uh, if they assemble it at the store, then you have a hard time getting it to the house. And uh, I always love it where it says, uh, you know, the box might say, uh, no assembly required, you know. And then you open it up and you're like, wait a minute, there's some parts here. It's not put together, but they make some things that are pretty dummy proof uh, nowadays. But it seems like even Christmas sometimes that if we're going to have the right kind of Christmas, we've got to make sure we have the right components, the right parts. Uh, things need to come together. Not look, look here, we can plan. And even here at church, we do a lot of planning because I believe God is a God of order. But I think that when we look at the Christmas story, there are certain elements that, that need to be there so that we have the right Christmas. And that's, that's kind of as, as today is, we're kind of viewing today as our Christmas services, uh, this is what we want to look at. And, and I think all of us want to do, every year we try to make our best effort to try to have uh, Christmas just right. We want the trees and the decorations and the lights and all those types of things to be just the way that they should. We want everyone to be happy. And, uh, you know, we, we were having a, a pretty good day yesterday until about 9 o'clock last night when our neighbors decided that they, you guys probably didn't even hear it, did you? Our neighbors decided that they were going to have a party. Started at 9 o'clock across the lake. Blaring loud music. I went to bed about 11 o'clock. And my wife said to me this morning, she says, didn't you hear the neighbors? I said, no, I went to sleep. And she said, she goes, it went on and it went on and it went on. She says, till almost one in the morning. And I said, well, how, how did it stop? Did the party end? She goes, I don't know. I finally called the police. You know, there's, there's a noise ordinance. Uh, and I'm telling you, it was across the lake. And my wife, I guarantee you, she went to bed. She wasn't a happy camper. And so if you see her this morning falling asleep in church, that's why. She couldn't get to sleep with that. You know, it, you know we, we want peace in our hearts. We want joy to abound. But in reality, I think a lot of times Christmas often turns into, so to speak, kind of a hassle sometimes for some of us. Um, I, got a, uh, I got a pop-up picture. Uh, again, I don't, I don't do this. It, sometimes on my phone, I guess it's just through some app or something, I get these pop-up pictures and it'll say one year ago today or five years ago today or something and it brings back memories. And the pop-up picture from three years ago yesterday, Brother Flynn, was a picture of, that I took in the house of Chris Librand and we were over there singing Christmas carols and there was Chris, and then right next to her was Mrs. Flynn, and right over from Mrs. Flynn was Ken. 
Brother Ken Mercer. And they were all three in that picture. And two of them have been in heaven now for quite some time. And, and I think about Christmas time, how <clears throat> a lot of times we, we think about Christmas and what do we do? We rush around, we're pressed for time, we spend, listen, I lo- somebody put it this way, they said, we spend money that we don't have for people we don't like to acquire things they don't even want or need. <laughs> and sometimes that's true. You know, it's like, uh, you know, it's like I got to give him something because he's going to give me something, you know, <laughs> and, and it, I think sometimes in our struggle to get things right, what do we do? We oftentimes get things wrong. And we end up making ourselves, and I think it, because we're miserable, I think those around us are miserable. But the main thing I think is, is that God wants us to get Christmas right. Uh, he really does. Uh, God wants Christmas to be the way he intended it to be. God's not interested in us having, as many people look forward to, a white Christmas. How many of you like white Christmases? Uh, really? Here, even here in South Florida, huh? But I think more than a white Christmas is a right Christmas, having, having Christmas God's way. And, and I, I believe this is what we find in the scriptures. And so what do we need to understand, I think, is what we're looking at this morning. Maybe there's some things in our lives that we need to change that will allow Christmas to be a time of blessing, a time of wonder instead of a time of stress and tension. So this morning, just in our time, I want to look at some components, as I mentioned, that are, I believe, essentials to having the right Christmas. And so as you look in your notes this morning, because if we look at these five components, if any one of them is missing, or if anything is left out, I don't really believe that Christmas is going to function properly. I don't think Christmas will be the way God has meant it to be. And so the passage points out, some things that we need to assemble the right kind of Christmas. The first one, notice, it starts with the right master. To have the right Christmas, it starts with the right master. And this morning, I look around the auditorium, and I pray that all of us that are in here this morning have the right master, and I believe we do. But as I think about Christmas time, the Bible says, look here in in Luke 2 and verse 1, The Bible says it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed, and this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city, and Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. So the Bible tells us when we, when we look at what we oftentimes refer to as the Christmas story, that there was a Roman emperor that was in charge of a, a kingdom, a province, that issued a decree. And it was this decree that caused many people, and of course, when we look at the Christmas story, especially a poor carpenter and his wife who was with child to travel over 80 miles from their home to the home of their ancestors. This is the way they did it back then. I'm kind of glad we don't have to do that now, that I don't have to travel back to the place of my birth on, on April 15th. But this is what they would do for the census. And The Bible tells us in the passage, even later on, that certain shepherds 
are part of this story that they were tending to their flocks on the hillsides outside this very town that the young couple comes to that there were angelic beings that show up at the right place at the right time with the right message. And you could say, what a coincidence. But all these things didn't just happen. They're the work of a sovereign God. God works all things together. Uh, just like Christmas. You know, my wife and I were talking yesterday, the day before, about something and about how, <clears throat> how it's all going to work out. And I told her, I said, look, we've been down this road so many times, and I just know this, that God always makes things work together. Things always happen the way he is intended to accomplish his eternal plan. And that's what Christmas is all about. It's the eternal plan of God. And we, if you were here on Wednesday night, we looked at a tremendous promise, really the first promise in the Bible, Genesis 3.15. Thou shalt bruise his head, but thou shalt bruise his heel. In other words, yes, Satan thought he had won when Jesus was crucified, but there's going to come a day where Satan will have no more power, no more ability. And right now we understand that he is the prince of power of the air, but, but we know that God is sovereign in the affairs of man. And we see this even in the Christmas story. And a lot of times at Christmas, we want to get everything uh, that we can at, at Christmas time. But I, I found that people who get everything that they want, that many times they're still miserable. You know, you, you see people, my daughter, she uh, FaceTimed us and we were talking to her and she had her, two of my grandkids in the picture, and I, I said something to her, and she, she, had, she just kept holding up something on her finger. And I said, and she would put something on her finger and hold it up like that, and then my little grandson would come, and he would, he would go, thank you, and then he would grab it off her finger, and he'd go over, and he'd put it on something. And I watched this. He just kept coming back and going, coming back, going, and I said, what is he doing? That's, that's our grandson, Duke. And I said, what is he? She said, I bought these sticker books for the kids for Christmas. And she said, uh, he keeps taking the stickers, and he goes over, and he keeps putting stickers on this box. And I said, well, what is that box? It was huge. And she was telling me that one, this one lady in their church that's kind of like an adopted grandma, that she bought him a, uh, a, a, a play kitchen. And, and so like, like our kids, they weren't playing with the kitchen, they were playing with the box. And, and you know, that's the way we are, is we're, we're never happy, we're never satisfied. And you see many times people get all kinds of things, but they're still miserable. Why? Because they don't have the most important gift, that is Jesus. They're missing the most important part of Christmas. Uh, sometimes you could get nothing at all but if you have the lord i've seen people with nothing and they have jesus and their christmas is a time of joy it's a time of happiness when you have a personal relationship with god you can even rejoice as i mentioned michelle you can rejoice in the face of whatever life throws at you boy if there was anybody that knew that was job i i love it. you ever get feeling down in the, in the dumps read the book of job you know now, again, I don't care much for Job's friends, but I, I love how it always encourages me when I see this. And look at Job writes in chapter 23, verse 10, He knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. 
And, and, you know, that's to me, that's an Old Testament, God works all things together for good to them that love him according to God's purpose and God's plan. That's what Job says. He says, when God is trying me, God loves me, but he may put me through something, but he's the master of my life, is what Job was saying there. And, and when we have the right master, guess what? We're on our way to having a right Christmas. Without the Lord, you can't have the right Christmas. Jesus said in John 13, 13, ye call me master and Lord, and ye say well, for so I am. Is he your master today? I hope and pray that you know him as your savior, that he is your master. And, and so we need to have the right master. But a second component to have the right Christmas is there needs to be the right miracle. And look back in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 6. And the Bible says, and so it was while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, this is an essential for Christmas. Uh, Christmas isn't about the tinsel and the trees. It's about, not about gifts and glitter. It's not even about family and friends. The true essence of Christmas is a baby, the Christ child, uh, the one who was God in the flesh. I love it. Listen to this. Charles Spurgeon said this many, many years ago. He described Jesus as he who never began to be, but eternally existed, began to be what he eternally was not, and continued to be what he eternally was. That might take you a while to wrap your mind around that. But we understand from the scriptures that Jesus as God, he did not begin in the manger. He has always existed. He is eternal God. And as we think about Christmas, we have to, yes, have the right master. But according to this passage, we need to have the right miracle. Isaiah said many years before his birth, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a son. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. In the New Testament, John wrote these words, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I think when you and I in this world really begin to understand who Jesus is and who Jesus was, I think our whole concept of Christmas changes forever. How many of you can think back to what Christmas was like before you got saved. Anybody else besides me? I can remember how Christmas was. But now I can think about how Christmas has been since I met the Savior. There's a big difference. The meaning of Christmas changed forever because of the virgin birth of Christ. Christmas is about God becoming a man to die for sinners. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. He hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Isn't that a wonderful verse? Let's read that verse together. All right, everybody see that there? Here we go. For he hath made him to be sin for us, 
who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. What a wonderful thought this morning. Look, the Bible does say, right, that our righteousness is as what? Filthy rags. There's nothing good about any of us. Look, you can put a suit on, you can put a dress on. You know what we are? We're dirt with a suit on. That's what we are. That's what we are. The clothes does not make the person. There's nothing good about us, but I'll tell you what, when we come to know Christ as our Savior, His righteousness was imputed to our account. We were poor, and He's made us rich. And you think about that, He was rich, but He became poor so that we could be rich. We have a lot to be thankful for, folks. When I look at something like this, mock-up representation of a manger it just reminds me i mean this is i i i spared no expense i made this out of a walmart pallet but do you know the one that jesus was put in when he was born was probably not worth any more than this one he came lowly jesus did not come like everybody thought he would but he became poor so that we might become rich. You know what we have today? We do not, when God looks at us, God sees his son's righteousness, not ours. Because we're not righteous, we're unrighteous. That's a wonderful thought about Christmas. And that's what happens when you understand the miracle of the birth of God's son. And when you understand that miracle, you're on your way to having the right Christmas. See, you got to have the right master. Got to have the right miracle. Look at the third component we have to have at Christmas. If it's going to be right, we got to have the right message. Now, Christmas is, is a wonderful time, and certainly we're in church, and we hear a lot of messages, and we've heard a lot over this Christmas season. But let's go back to Luke 2, and let's see what it says here about the right message. Verse number 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and... Lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And it shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And you think about this right message that we find at Christmas time the shepherds, the angels come and, and the shepherds, they're afraid. But the message that they heard was a message the world still needs today. And by the way, it's not just a message you hear at a Miss America pageant. It's the greatest message of all. And it's a message of grace, the grace of God, the peace of God, the hope that we have because of our Savior the blessings of God, the joy that he brings in salvation. This message was a, was a personal message. Listen to what uh, they were told, unto you. Aren't you glad the message came for you? Amen. See, it's a personal message. But not only is it personal, it's a powerful one because it says unto you a Savior. You think about that. No one else but God could deliver us from our sins. That's powerful. It was something that was personal. The message was powerful. 
The message was profound. Listen to what the message came was, which is Christ the Lord. The word Christ is the Messiah. You remember what the woman at the well, she told everybody, hey, come see a man who told me all things that ever I did. Never a man spake like this man. So it was a powerful message. It was a profound message, which is Christ the Lord. Watch this. It was a pointed message. Because what they heard was that this shall be a sign unto you. You know what God's saying to us this Christmas? And by the way, not just during December, every day as a Christian. God wants us to take that message to a lost and dying world. He wants us to tell others about how that Jesus came to give his life, that he loves everyone. He came to die for their sins. He is the one that can give them grace and peace and hope and blessing and joy and most of all, salvation. Look at Mark 16, 15. Before Jesus went back to be with the Father, he said unto his disciples, Go ye into all the world and preach or declare the gospel to who? Every creature. Everyone should hear. See, Christmas isn't one day a year. We ought to share the message of Christmas every day of our lives. And the thought that I thought as I was going through this was, do others receive that message as they are watching my life, as they are listening to what I have to say, what's coming out of my, my mouth, the way I behave myself? Are others receiving that message because of me? Peter writes it this way, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. See, we need to have the right miracle. Without the virgin birth of Christ, there is no Christmas. And we got to have the right message. And the message is that uh, unto you a Savior is born, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. But notice another element to have the right Christmas is we've got to have the right motive. Go back to Luke chapter 2. Look at verse 13. The Bible says, And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Here's this multitude of angels. And again, what are they doing? They're opening their mouths to speak. Why? Because they were, they were glorifying God. You know, hey, listen, nothing wrong with, with, with saying to people, hey, glory to God. Praise the Lord. Nothing wrong with that at all. You know, I think we ought to spend our days, that ought to be our mission and motive in life, not just on Christmas, but to exalt God for the great work that He has done in our lives, for the mighty work that we have seen Him do in our lives. And Christmas, when I think when it ceases to be about what we can get and how much we can give, and it starts to be about how we can glorify God, then we're on, our, we're on the right path to having the right Christmas. And the Bible says, look at this, I love this verse, Psalm 86, 12, God gave me this week, I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify thy name 
forevermore. Let's say that verse together. I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify thy name forevermore. You know why we should do that? Look at the next verse. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. To God be the glory. You know, if you're saved this morning, praise God. Thank God for what he has done. And, it, and that should give us, you remember what, what Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? He says, it's the love of Christ that constraineth me. You know what that really, Paul was saying, you know what gets me out of the bed in the morning? God's love. Just thinking about how much God loved me. See, how much did God love you? This much. He sent his son so that you could have eternal life. See, Christmas wasn't meant to be a one-day-a-year event. We ought to have the spirit of Christmas in our hearts every day of the year. We've got to have the right motive, and that's what we see here is, it, listen, what matters to you at, the most at Christmas? Is it about bringing glory to God, or is it about keeping your Christmas traditions? You know, the right Christmas is one that focuses on God. I stood here on Friday and stood right here just behind where this little manger scene is and I performed a wedding here on Friday. And as I was performing that wedding, I was, I was trying to get that couple to understand that the right kind of marriage, the right kind of home is one that focuses on God, that God is at the center of your home. And without Christ in the center of our Christmas, it's just not Christmas. And he is the motive that we have to have a right Christmas. And, and a right Christmas will bring us to a place of worship. So we've got to have all these components. You've got to have a right master. You've got to have the right miracle. You've got to have the right message and the right motive. But look at number five here as we just continue in Luke 2. There has to be the right ministry. Because remember, Jesus came. He was with his disciples for about three and a half years. And you remember what he told them? He says, I must needs go away. He said it was expedient for them. That's an interesting word. What it really means is, it's in your best interest that I go away. Now they struggle with that. I would too. If I had three and a half years, if I had one day to spend with the Lord in his physical body, I'd be the same way. Lord, don't leave. Don't, don't leave. There's so many things I still don't understand. There's so much time I want to spend with you. And Jesus said, listen, he says, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. But when he left, the work he began, he placed it in their hands. And that work that he passed to his disciples is what is our responsibility today. God's given all of us a ministry. And it's not man's ministry. And this is where people struggle because there's a lot of churches today that have something that's supposedly called church, but it really doesn't represent church because there's, there's little or no Bible, there's little or no truth, there's very little worshiping God, it's more based on the flesh and making yourself feel good about who you are and 
about it being prosperous in your life focusing on Jesus. You see, we ought to come together to worship the Lord. The shepherds, what did they do? They heard the message. Look at verse number 15. The Bible says this, it came to pass. As the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When they had seen it, they made known abroad. Look at those words. They made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it, that means they were not going around with their mouth closed. People were hearing what they were saying. And the Bible says all that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. And the Bible says at this time Mary kept all these things. She pondered them in her heart and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. So look, the the angels uh, told the shepherds and the shepherds heard it, but watch this, they also heeded it. It didn't go in this ear and come out this one. Somehow when it went in the ear gate, it began to make its way to their hearts. They began to think about the message that they heard. And the Bible says here that they went to Bethlehem. And when they went to Bethlehem, what did they find? They found Jesus. They spent time with the Lord. I've said it many times. No matter what's going on in your life, Anytime you come to God's house and you get up and you walk away having spent time with the Lord, you should leave different than the way you came. Anytime at your house or in your car, when you spend time in the presence of God, you should be different than you were before you came into his presence. You know, the Bible talks about the Shekinah glory. Moses, when he came down, his face shone. I realize we don't come into God's presence maybe exactly the way Moses did, but anytime we open up his holy word, Anytime we boldly approach his throne of grace, anytime we come to his house, we are stepping into the presence of an almighty God. And as we come into his presence, it helps us to put into perspective what the right ministry is. See, Christmas isn't just a Thing to check off our list. I've been to church on Christmas. You see, as we come to meet with him, we ought to leave differently. That's what the shepherds did. They believed what they heard. They believed what they saw. Now look, a lot of people could have looked at Jesus, the Christ child. They could have just saw, yeah, it's another baby. 
But see, they were told that he would be a savior. They heard it. They saw with their own eyes. And then what did they do? They left the presence of Jesus and they went everywhere telling everyone what they had seen. They had the right ministry. It's a great time for us to demonstrate how much we love the Lord because we call it the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a message worth sharing. The mandate of the gospel, listen, you have to understand what the Bible teaches, and here's what it teaches, that we need to, as they did, we need to come and see. But watch this, don't miss this part. Then you need to go and tell. Come and see, but then go and tell. How would, look at it again in verse number 17. When they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying, which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered. See, they came and saw, but then they went and told. That's the mandate of the gospel. Look what Mark 5, 19 says. Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. When's the last time you told somebody about how God changed your life? How God saved your wretched soul? About what Christmas is really all about. See, that's the mandate of the gospel, is to come and see and to go and tell. But the miracle of the gospel is, and this is the best part, it changes everyone that sees it and believes it in their heart. Uh, one of the verses that I've loved over the years, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. You see, the best thing you can do this Christmas is to share the good news of the gospel with somebody that does not know the Lord as their Savior. That's why we don't think much about it. We throw it out even as Christians sometimes. Merry Christmas. But do you know there's great meaning behind that saying? There's a lot of people today that say happy holidays. But the holidays aren't going to be happy without Merry Christmas. There has to be Christ or there will not be Christmas. See, we've got to have the right components. And are you, are, listen, are you assembling the right kind of Christmas? I said it when I started, you ever, you ever try to put together something and you get done and you look over and there's parts laying there? I've had that happen. I've had to take something completely back apart to put the rest of those parts on there and then put it back together the right way. You know, us men, we don't like directions. We don't like to be told what to do, you know. But listen, God has given us the formula, the components that we need to have the right kind of Christmas. And what God is saying is, if you want to assemble and have a right Christmas this year, 
then you need to have all these things. And they were all present on that first Christmas. And we need to make sure that we have the right master, Jesus. The right miracle. Jesus was the virgin-born Son of God. We need to make sure we have the right message. And the message is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to have the right motive. And what is our motive? To glorify God. We need to have the right ministry. Well, what is our ministry? To come and see and to go and tell. That's the ministry God's given to us. I hope that you have a great Christmas. I hope that God is honored and glorified in everything that you're a part of this Christmas season. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for your goodness and your grace, which is abundant towards us, especially as we think about this week and what it represents. And uh, Lord, we are eternally grateful for the gift of your son, Jesus. Thank you again, Lord, that you were willing to come. And Lord, may we spend our days telling others about that news, the good news of the gospel that would change their life for all of eternity. This is the reason that you've left us here, is to be a witness and to bring honor and glory to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.